Welcome to Arch Rivals Football. Here is your starting lineup. Number 20, Darnell the Playmaker Salads. Number 94, Alex the Bearman Alcazaz. Number 24, Ricky Litwinkowicz. This show is sponsored by Raz Energy, DreamController.com, and Steiner Sports. Arch Rivals Football is a Pain Train Pipe Bomb production. Welcome everybody to Arch Rivals Season 3. Week 4 is in the books. And I mean in the books because a lot of people took beatings this week on picks. But we are here. We are here with the Bearman. What's up, Bearman? Hey, how y'all doing? All right. So uh, before we get into the uh, lovely abbreviated game setup and everything else, uh, we do have our uh, newest member to the Arch Rival staff, Mr. Stephen Waldman here. He is going to uh, take care of the sharing and chat monitoring and so on and so forth. So, uh, welcome to an actual Arch Rivals football, Stephen. Um, Bearman, before we get into any games, give me an outlook of like what you saw this weekend. Well, more surprises, honestly. It really was not a good week for me as far as picks go, but I think, unfortunately, it was a horrible week for both of us as far as picks go because I got a lot of things wrong, and I'm a bit embarrassed, even though I'm probably taking this too seriously, but still, I didn't have a good week. Well, I could see this as a um, as a guy who normally does pick. Uh, there were quite a few upsets. There were again the uh, the bruised peach games, as we like to call them, because uh, mm -hmm. it's games we really try not to uh, basically put a lot of focus on. But I will say this though, for everybody that is out there and uh, listening or watching uh, throughout the show, if Facebook does somehow give us a fit. Now, obviously, yesterday, worldwide, and we're not talking about the global bastard either, but worldwide, nope. uh, Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp took a dump. So, um, <laughs> I, I think somebody really just had it out for a lot of people yesterday. And uh, I will say this, that if you do not have great viewing ability for the show on the book of face uh, in the description of the show listed below is the YouTube channel and our Twitch channel. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at PD prod productions. Uh, you can find it on there as well. So uh, once again, if there is any current book of face viewing, then uh, head over to those platforms and uh, hang out there. Your comments will still be on the screen because our restream does carry all of the platforms. So just know that. But um, yeah, it's it's something that uh, throughout the show, if you get tired of me hearing uh, of of me saying it, well, I, I really have no other thing to um, try to help you compensate on for watching the show, but. Um, it will be in the description for our future shows, uh, whether, again, it would be um, 
on Facebook, on YouTube, or Twitch, uh, Twitter as well. Uh, but again, you know, uh, we'll be out there uh, on all of these platforms. All right, so uh, without further ado, we're going to get into some of these games here. And uh, since we were not on th- on Saturday, my apologies for not feeling well, but that's life, unfortunately. We uh, have a Thursday night game to cover here uh, because we didn't cover it on Saturday. We had Jacksonville at Cincinnati on Thursday night football during International Podcast Day. Uh, we had uh, Cincinnati 24, Jacksonville 21. Bearman, your outlook on this game. Well, it's definitely a game that first way it was going, I was like, oh, wow. I mean, you know, I thought this was going to be the first game that I got wrong, but Cincinnati turned things around. And I think the ga- the play, the certain play that might have changed the outcome was when uh, Jacksonville was stopped on a fourth and goal at the one-yard line. I mean, from then, it was all Cincinnati. So resiliency was key. Staying focused, being resilient, and finishing it. And I do mean finishing it. Not Mortal Kombat style, but finishing it. Well, I could at least say this, okay? So, the one thing is, is that, you know, we were doing the show on Thursday night. I'm watching the highlights as we're doing the show. And I'm really, again, I'm thinking again um, that maybe this was the time Jacksonville was going to come out and surprise everybody. But obviously, football is two halves. There's two separate halves. Cincinnati did not look good coming into the, the 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 first half, and second half, believe it or not, Joe Mixon got going. They finally started to get the running game going, which was good. They also ended up getting the passing game going. Joe Burrow on that first drive looked absolutely amazing uh, in the second half, and I, I hate to say it as much as we kind of again leaned on that whole first half of what Jacksonville did. They didn't do anything the second half whatsoever, really, to be I mean, honest. They got outscored 24-7 to in the second half. Again, football. Yeah, all, all 24 points for Cincinnati in the second half. Football <laughs> is a game of halves. So you could be down yeah. by a lot and then come back in the, the second half with a different game plan. Or maybe already had the same game plan and, you know, it was just uh, – you know, it got it got adjusted, which was good. So I'm not going to uh, sit here and say, hey, you know, uh, you, you totally jump on this. But uh, also in the news today is the fact that uh, Urban Meyer apparently was in a uh, drinking facility and was taking improper pictures with fans or feminines in the bar. <laughs> Was it what kind of bar was it to be exact? I I don't know exactly the uh, type of bar that it was, but I will say this though that uh, through four games, not only do the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, look like poop, but they also uh, have this fact now that uh, Urban Meyer is getting in trouble now. And yeah, I, I mean, uh, once again, like I, I may have I I have made preached on this that. Urban Meyer may be a head coach one and done in the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars organization. <laughs> Did well, I somehow throw him under the bus? I mean, for, from uh, from a couple of sources, Urban Meyer issued an apology and even meant, even mentioned that he knows he's going to have to uh, regain the players' trust and respect. And I'm not kidding you when I tell you this, that some people believe that this is all part of an elaborate plan for him to be 
driven out of Jacksonville so he can go to USC and take that job. I mean, you know what? I think Urban, didn't Urban Meyer already declare that he has no interest in that job? I, I I think in the beginning, I think he he thought that, you know, because they had the uh, Trevor Lawrence shiny brand new toy. Yeah. Uh, him only losing one game in college would probably be a better setup for him than and anything else. You know, you got this young, uh, great quarterback who can throw the ball. He can run. Apparently can't read defenses really well. However, um, I mean, again, like I, th- I really think he thought he was going to be in a better situation than what it came out to be. Uh, obviously, that lovely little, what, three-week signing of uh, Mr. Uh, Thomas Tebow uh, kind of was a uh, a bright light to bring people to the actual team, and you, that didn't work out either. You mean Timothy Tebow? Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with more Thomas for <laughs> than anything else, Mr. Thomas Tebow. All right. And uh, you know, uh, I I think uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think I mean that's maybe uh, maybe the the way it just didn't pan out. I guess the way he really really wanted to. I don't know. Yeah. Like it could be uh. A bad thing, but apparently, um, Shad Khan very upset. It's uh, even on the uh, headlines there that he's uh pretty pissed off at Mr. Uh, Urban Meyer. So, uh, well, I'd say he has every right to be. So, I think now maybe Urban Meyer may have maybe having second thoughts. Listen, he has the notorious history, and I'm I'm not a very big uh, college analyst on this, but from my recollection of when he gets kind of tired or something, he just packs his bags and leaves. Uh, I know he had the heart issue, which he kind of disappeared from, but at the same right, yeah, you know, maybe maybe through, what, eight, nine weeks of uh, being the head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars, like, you know. Maybe. How you doing, Mr. Waldman? It's good to see you, Stephen Waldman. So, I don't know. I, I, uh, yeah. But anyway, I mean, not good. Not, not good. No. And Mr. Khan, who, by the way, you know, we think of of the cons, you know, AEW. Yeah, Mr. Khan has every right to be upset. Well, that, that's that's Tony Khan that runs AEW, not Shad. Yeah. Shad is just his dad saying, "Bitch, get it in order." <laughs> that's pretty much how that's going. You're spending my money. Yeah, you better get it in order. Investing. Yes, uh, that's the term. Investing. But anyway, all right. All right. Next game up on the schedule, starting the uh, one o'clock slate. We had the Tennessee Titans going to MetLife Stadium visiting, at that point, the winless 0-3 New York Jets. This game here, again, I believe the pick number for this game was like 73% for uh, Tennessee's win on ESPN's Pigskin Pick'em. And uh, it just ended up being that the New York Jets pull out a 27-24 overtime victory at MetLife Stadium, both teams now officially have one win. Uh, both of them are at one in three. And I will I will go out on the line and say this, though. Once again, Jet fans, I told you, don't jump off the cliff yet. I said this. Don't jump off the cliff yet. It's a rebuilding process. And not only is it a rebuilding process for the New York Jets, which that defense... Tremendously stepped up on Sunday, big time. But also, Zach Wilson has kind of grown into his own a little bit. And the Tennessee defense, massively in trouble. 
And, and I feel like an idiot because I started the freaking Titans defense on my fantasy team. You know what? As far as fantasy, you know what? I think I've given up hope. You know what? It just doesn't matter because the bad luck continues. It won't go away. And, and that's another game that I got wrong, okay? But but I guess I could say it, it. it does. it is pretty good to see Zach Wilson finally have a good game. He did put up good numbers, 24, 21 for 34, about 300 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And, you know, to see, you know, the, the receiving game for the Jets actually looked very respectable. You know, Corey Davis and Keelan Cole, you know, seven catches for almost 200 yards. So pretty respectable. And both guys averaging, you know, Corey Davis averaged 28 yards per catch, while Keelan Cole averaged 31 yards per catch. So it was good to see, you know, something good happen in New York. I mean, the Jets don't pick up many wins, so uh, I guess in their case, uh, enjoy it while it lasts, right? It's not. I'll even say this though, because I mean, yes, Tannenhill threw the ball forty-nine times for just a shade under three hundred. You also had Derrick Henry thirty-three carries for a buck fifty-seven. It, it, the, the bigger key out of all of this was that the New York Jets were actually able to keep Tennessee's offense at some points off the field. Which made it good. And also you had the return of Jamison Crowder as well. That was a very big boost. However, again, like the schedule's not going to get any easier. But my thing is, is this. What the hell happened to that freaking Tennessee defense? They are horrible. Horrible. Like, I, I can understand you ride Derrick Henry to a majority of it. But damn, that, def- that defense can't stop a freaking paper cut. I mean, allowed a total of 355 total yards from the Jets. Although they kept the Jets to under under 100 yards of rushing, but it was the passing game that really kind of killed them. All right, next up on the schedule, Kansas City at Philly. Final score, Kansas City 42, Philly 30. Both teams score 72 points. I am going to say this. Now, as much as uh, we really don't want to kind of like pick on the Kansas City Chiefs at this point, I'm picking on them. I am picking on them. They have not really gone to show, even though they're now at 2-2, two and two, that this is the juggernaut that we've seen in the past. I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying this right now, and here's my deal, okay? For a Philly team that came into this game uh, pretty much a... Uh, Offensive disappearance for the first three weeks of the season and still lay 30? Yeah, that may be a concern. Kansas City's going to have to score, outscore everybody throughout the rest of the season at this point. And yes, Josh Gordon activated in week five this week against, <laughs> oh my God, I think it's the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, it is. Yes, that's going to be fun. How many plays do you think Josh Gordon's getting in this game? That's a really good question. I, I would hope a, a fair amount. I mean, if they signed him, you know, I mean, what's the point of not using him? You know, not using him if you went through all that trouble. So, well, just to go over some of the stats of the game now, and knowing the fact now that uh, Patrick Mahomes now has possibly another viable weapon, uh, I guess to fill that Sammy Watkins spot in Kansas City, uh, Mahomes did go twenty-four for thirty, two seventy-eight, five touchdowns. And one pick, which uh, can be an issue, not going to lie. It could be an issue. 
uh, because now Mahomes has thrown his first two interceptions in the month of September, I believe. Uh, you had um, Edwards Hilaire, 14 carries, 102. And then we flip to the other side of the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts throwing the ball 48 times for 387, two scores, no picks. Uh, we also had uh, Kenneth Gainwell with three carries and 31 yards. Jalen Hurts also rushing for another 47 on eight carries. I, I, I hate to say this as much as everybody was really kind of seeing this Philly experiment. I don't think it's working. It, it, it really isn't. I mean, now I'm really telling myself the head coaching choice they made, was is it already being proved to be a big mistake? I don't think it's the – I don't – I'll honestly tell you. I don't think it is the head coaching mistake. I believe it's the quarterback mistake. And, again, here's why, because it just kind of is a little weird to know that this is – they're going through this, okay? Jalen Hurts sat behind Carson Wentz last year, correct? Mm-hmm. He's in the year for his second year, correct? Yeah. Okay. So we look at the fact being that, yeah, you know, we have Jalen Hurts here. This is supposed to be something that uh, if we could possibly get out from our, our Carson Wentz deal, obviously Carson Wentz goes to Indy. They're coming up as well. Maybe we actually may have something. Like, that's that's what it is. Maybe we do have something. And apparently already waiting for video signal on Facebook. So, uh, for anybody, again, watching, listening, trying to, uh, go to the uh, YouTube and the, uh, the Twitch. We're there. Because apparently nobody's watching there. Anyway. As far, as far as the Eagles go, I mean, the stats are respectable, but... I always say, well, what good does it do if you're not winning any games? You know, Devontae Smith, their first-round pick, you know, seven catches, 122 yards, very respectable. And, you know, Zach Hurts, um, very, you know, six catches for 60 yards. That's an average of 10. That's simple math. Even I can do that kind of math. But, like, you know, the Eagles have talent. There's no de- there's no denying it. But, you know, it's just – I think it's, it's the lack of winning mentality. And, I mean, I, mean, I don't know what's going on with the Eagles. I mean, every, anything I throw – while it may be true, it's merely a theory because there's too many problems with the Eagles. Like it's hard to pinpoint exactly the main source because there's too many problems. So that why that that being said, it doesn't matter what the main reason is. The bottom line is they're not winning games because that's what's most important. It's about winning. I again, like I really don't think at this point that uh, throwing Jalen Hurts into the fire, so to speak, was a uh, great deal. But at the same rate, like, maybe he was not prepared. Yes, he's got that swag. He can throw the ball. He can run. But maybe also there's no cast of characters around him. I'm kind of looking at maybe. You know, like I said, this well, we can't deny that Jalen Ertz doesn't have anybody to throw to. He's got, you know, again, he's got Smith. He's got Ertz. You know, he's got Dallas Goddard. You know, Jalen Rager. Just name a few. He's got a few, but of course, you know, I'm not sure what to say. I mean, like I said, it's all these theories. It's just apparently something's not right and they're not winning. That's the main thing they got to focus on is when they're not winning. So they got to solve that. Well, it should be a very interesting story for the rest of the season. And just know that uh, the mustache, Mr. Gardner Minshew, even though he cut his hair, 
is sitting there waiting in the winds to take his spot. I mean, I kind of see that happening. Eagles, you know, three game losing streak. I mean, it's going to come to the point where you know what, you're going to have no choice, but you know what, might as well put in Gardner Minshew. Let's see what he's got. I mean, you traded for him. I mean, what's the point of not even trying? I mean, seriously, you go through all that trouble, you're not even going to bother trying. I don't understand. All right. Shout out to Kenny Kirkpatrick, who's going to be going live on All In Sports. Uh, we're, I have uh, a lot of work to do with them as well this weekend coming up. Um, I actually may be making an appearance at the uh, Valenti household. It's possible. I don't know yet. All right. Next up. This should be fun. Okay, Alex. I'm leaving you on the spot here. And then I'll just torment you later. Carolina, visit your cherry <laughs> world. Oh, Final boy. score, Dallas Cowboys 36, Carolina 28. To me, this was a very, very good game for the jo- for the boys. It definitely was. You know, and I, I didn't go to sugarcoat this. I ain't going to deny it. I mean, I was panicking uh, at the end of the first half. Was I not? Yes, you were. Yeah, and, and, and once again, once again, <laughs> who talked you off the ledge? You. <clears throat> and the boys. Well, the boys ended up freaking backing me up for a change. Because uh, at some point, uh, I, I really thought that there was going to be some uh, technical snafus going on with a lot of this stuff. But, uh, I mean... I, I think that I, sometimes, you know, of course, my friend joking, jokingly said... I guess the Cowboys realize, wait a minute, if we don't win, the bear of Texas is going to roast us. And then it says, no, he's not. He's going to bury us. But, you know, I, I'm glad I didn't have to bury him this week. I mean, I didn't – some people say I still did. I did not bury them when I recapped it. I still acknowledge that there's still some problems on the secondary because the Cowboys' secondary is is the second worst in the, in the league. You can't ignore that. And – here, and here's the problem that I had. Look, in the fourth quarter, okay, with the way our defense kind of took their foot off the freaking gas pedal, you know, and got outscored 14 to three. And the fact that there was a fourth and eight and you let Sam Darnold have a 55 yard completion is completely unacceptable. I mean, obviously, uh, Mike McCarthy does, deserves a bit of criticism. Uh, from, from what I'm told, is he pulled out Trayvon Diggs because Trayvon Diggs was apparent, apparently had lower back stiffness. I mean, if that's true, then. I guess you have to pull him out because the last thing the Cowboys need is Trayvon Diggs getting hurt. But there was also that controversy where the Panthers were penalized for a face mask. And what went from a, a second and 27 what would be a third and 12 because Mike McCarthy declined it. And he, he went on to explain And now people are saying, okay, maybe he made the right choice. You know what? That penalty doesn't need to be talked about because the Cowboys turned it around. But the Cowboys did exactly what I said they need to in my preview. They ran the ball effectively. The quarterback was able to the, – the, they were able to sack the quarterback. They forced a couple of turnovers, okay? And the, and the offense, you know, the passing game even managed to survive. And here's one of the main key highlights of this game. Dak Prescott was not sacked one time, even though the Panthers' defense came in this game leading the league in sacks. As a matter of fact, the Panthers' defense came in number one in all categories. And the Cowboys' offense kind of destroyed it. So well, here's kind of, kind of. I think they did destroy him. So here's a, here's another little bit of a thing that uh, that's probably going on here. Are we now really seeing that there is a more significant reason for the loss of uh, Mr. Christian McCaffrey than anything else that uh, takes that balance off of Sam Darnold? 
Well, losing uh, losing Christian McCaffrey, obviously, it's a major blow to the Carolina Panthers because Christian McCaffrey, some would say, is the golden child of the Carolina offense. But I, I mean, obviously, if Christian McCaffrey had played, some some would have said he would have easily destroyed the Cowboys. I mean, I don't know because the Cowboys defense is obviously a whole lot better than it was last year, so. It's a 50-50 shot, but I just know that if Christian McCaffrey did play, I can tell you this, it, the game would have been completely different. Would you have seen a Carolina win, or would you still have seen a, Dar- uh, a Dallas win? It's a, it, Dallas, it's a very big spot. It's a very big spot because it Hubbard is, it is, a very Hubbard big is spot. not McCaffrey. No, he's not. I believe the Panthers probably would have won. All right. Next up, another game that was technically considered an upset. Final in overtime, New York Giants 27, New Orleans Saints 21. This game was down. It was, believe it or not, the Saints' first home game in four weeks this year. And knowing the fact that week one they played in Jacksonville because they were not allowed to open. Uh, the season there in uh, New Orleans. I'm going to say this. I am not satisfied with a Mr. Jameis Winston. Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> oh, Reason boy. being is, is that, again, now I'm going I'm going to kind of probably kill them a little bit because that offense for the Saints was not particularly good. It wasn't. Uh, Jameis, 17-23, 226, touchdown. Uh, Taysom Hill went through a uh, lovely interception uh, that preemptively stopped one of their good drives. Uh, Kamara did go for 26 carries, 120, but no scores on the ground. Uh, Taysom Hill did have two big rushing touchdowns on six carries for 28 yards. But I believe that more of the highlights than anything else on this game was the New York Giants. Hands down, I believe they had probably one of the best offensive games I've seen uh, from the Giants and with Daniel Jones and Barkley in the backfield. Well, I might as well give the Giants credit on this one. Daniel Jones, 28 completions, threw the ball 40 times. 400 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. You know, and Saquon Barkley, you know, also a very respectable game. That 54-yard uh, ca- catch and run that he had that, that scored a touchdown. You know, let's not forget, if I'm correct, in the fourth quarter, the Saints were up by 11 points and the Giants came back. You know, and, <clears throat> and the Giants were 0-3. So, you know, and I always said, like, everybody likes to – a lot of people like to pick on Daniel Jones – especially my co-host with Cowboys Talk. I mean, he always likes to pick on Daniel Jones and really believes that the Giants are, in his words, you know, fraud, repulsive, repugnant. You know, and going to this game, you know, we the Cowboys can't take the Giants lightly. I mean, regardless, they should never take the Giants lightly. But, I mean, yeah, this game, whether you like Jason Garrett or not, we can't deny the fact that he did, in fact, you know, do a good job with the offense on this one. But... But I think this this what proves is the Giants' offense. You know, even though the Giants overall are horrible, the Giants still have an offense that's dangerous. Well, I mean, any it, defense could shit the bed against them, right? Well, again, I think at this point right now, the defense actually for the New York Giants, uh, with all of the additions that they did have in their secondary, stepped up this week. 
I could understand that one very big thing was a lot of penalties in this game. In fact, there was a pass that Jameis threw, I believe it was a 56-yard pass for a score, and it ended up getting called back on a holding penalty. There's yeah. six, yeah. there's seven points possibly right there that puts them in the lead. A lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, but I'll give it credit, though. Daniel Jones throws for over 400 yards. Yeah. Okay, Kenny Galladay was finally part of the offense. Kadarius Toney, part of the offense. John Ross had a nice pass play, uh, even though he did fumble at the goal line and recovered it in the end zone. Part of the offense. Evan Ingram, five catches, even though it wasn't for 30 yards, but he still had five catches. They are – if the Giants could somehow maintain offensively what they're doing, again, uh, you're not going to see Daniel Jones pass for 400 every week. Uh, but – at this point right now, that actually offense looked like it was supposed to be as predicted in the be in the uh, preseason as it clicked. So, again, the Giants may, even though they've only gotten their uh, first win here against the Saints, they still have a long road to to, to pretty much carry. Uh, and with uh, Dallas and Dallas in the uh, the lead right there, I mean they're still two games back, but damn. It's not over yet, and you know we should we should actually acknowledge the fact that the Giants did not have Sterling Shepard, nor did they have Darius Slayton. But it's still though they 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 did have uh, John Ross there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kadarius Tony was a big Galladay. part of it so far, and again Galladay was finally a uh, piece of the offense. So it's gonna be it's gonna be for uh, the future of things to come to see. Uh, what the Giants can actually manipulate with having those guys available. Because John Ross is not a bad receiver. Uh, it just took four weeks for Kenny Galladay to get involved. So I guess uh, Saturday we'll go a little bit more in depth on their uh, next venture against the, uh, I believe it's the Dallas Cowboys. So, mm-hmm. Yep. All right. The game that I took a nap. Yes, I took a nap on this game. Because I really thought this game, to me was going to be a lot better than it was. Cleveland goes up to Skull Country. Final score, Browns 14, Minnesota 7. Dalvin Cook looked like a mirror of himself, uh, even though he was coming back off of that lovely ankle injury, I believe it was, from two weeks ago. And uh, I- I'm going to say, I, I, as much as I really want to be impressed with the Browns' defense, uh Vikings just crapped the bed. Well, big time. They crapped the bed. Uh, just getting in a little bit of stats because um, some of these stats do want me to uh, throw up in a bucket. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 15 of 33, 155. The run game, very good, actually. I will say that. Uh, Nick Chubb, 21 carries for 100 even, 4.8 average. Kareem Hunt, 14 carries, 69 yards. 4.9 average. So the running game pretty much did do the job for the uh, Cleveland Browns. Again, not very much anything on the receiving front, front even though he hit uh, three, six, nine different receivers for that 155. And then if you go to the other side, Kirk Cousins only passes for 208, a touch and a pick. Dalvin Cook, nine carries, 34 yards. Uh, Alexander Madison, 10 for 20. And again, like it's like the, the offense for the Minnesota Vikings looks like it just may be stuck in like the La Brea tar pit. (laughs) 
Well, we we do have to give the Browns defense credit because coming to this game, I believe Kirk Cousins. I think within the first three games of the season, I know that through the air he had a, he had at least three to four hundred yards. I know those one game. I know at least two games he had four hundred passing yards, and they kept it to only two hundred yards. We got to give him credit for that. And you know, Dalvin Cook came back, but Dalvin Cook, you know, really got stuffed. You know, you know it really got bullied. You know, nine carries for thirty-four yards. I mean, that's really. You know, we think of Dalvin Cook. I mean, this is not a good game, you know, for him. But, but like you say, I mean, you know, even Baker Mayfield, a, a couple of like plays. And all, I, I saw it on Twitter. People were all over, like you know, criticizing the hell out of it. But this is just one of those games. Like you're really just watching the TV. You're bored to death. But you just, you still, no matter how bored you are, you don't want to get up because you just know that anything is going to happen. You, you know what I mean? Well, thank God I had five games on, and that was one that I paid the least attention to because I think if I would have slept there would have been a problem probably but you know when I see this game you know it's a shame because the Vikings are better than they look you know I think right now you know it's very possible they could be 4-0 but you know it's again like I mentioned like like the Eagles like if somebody were to ask me bear man what is wrong with the Vikings there's all these theories, but again, it doesn't matter because the bottom line is they're not winning. Well, moving on to the next game, we had what I, again, thought was probably going to be one of those games where we actually did see a turnaround. We had the Detroit Lions, the Motor City half-muscle, going all the way out to Chicago, to the Bears. <laughs> um, I don't think it's even called Soldier Field anymore, but it'll always be Soldier Field in my mind, probably. Final score, Bears 24, Lions 14. Again, now this was a, a game that a lot of the ESPN pick'em actually was looking at the Detroit Lions, who actually looked really good against the uh, Baltimore Ravens the week before. And this game here just ended up being a, uh, home, uh, a home fave. I think Chicago was favored by three. And... They pull it out by 10, but uh, Justin Fields, uh, I, I, I still have questions. You know, this is one of those games where the Bears' defense really – I mean, we, we do have to praise the Bears' defense. The Bears' defense really came to play. And and Justin Fields, we can say whatever we want. Look, it, he didn't have a touchdown. He didn't have one pick. But, you know, 11 for 17, 200 yards, not the prettiest stats, but – the fact is, he did play better than he did like the week before. Justin Fields is really—he's beginning to get in the hang of it. He's not there yet, but he's finally beginning the process of of developing of, be, of being ready for the NFL. You know, I, I think at this point the Bears probably have no choice. I mean, I, I think you know, I'm not sure uh, the current status uh, or if there's no update on Andy Dalton's injury, but uh, as far as the Bears go, uh, I mean, the running game was a, a factor. I think. David Montgomery suffered an injury. Uh, yeah, I heard he got a, hurt. A knee injury, and he's going to be out up to five weeks now for the Chicago okay. Bears. So even though that the Bears did actually pull to two and two, however, the win is probably more of a significant loss. Uh, our uh, main man, Stephen Wolman, does say that it is still Soldier Field. Thank you, Stephen, for uh, confirming my uh, stupidity at this point. 
I think I, I think Chicago's in the process, or at least there's plans of building a new stadium. Uh, Steven, if you can confirm that, I'd appreciate it. Yes, they actually did buy land. However, uh, it's okay. probably in the middle of nowhere, and it's going to be probably one of those hard things for them to build a stadium. But even then, if they are still looking to build a stadium at this point, you're looking at at least a minimum of a uh, three-year build. So... Let them stay at Soldier Field for a while. You know, it keeps the uh, aura yeah, well. of it. I mean, the, the Soldier Field is, is historic. I mean, how long have the Bears played at Soldier Field? Since like pretty what, much for eternity. Yeah, since since the NFL came, which was in 1920. So that being said, because it's been there forever, there's a lot of history. You know, as far as I know, uh, residents of Chicago they love this stadium. I mean, I, I've spoken to many of them, and they don't have a problem with Soldier Field. So I don't understand why. Why get rid of it? Well, more confirming from our uh, research department here at Arch Rivals Football, it does say Bears' departure from Soldier Field to Arlington Heights appears more likely in 2026. So even now it's 2021. Yeah, you're still looking at like a minimum of, of five years before the stadium is built. So again, like it'll they'll be in Soldier Field for a while. Thank God. Well, thank you, Stephen. Thank you very much. Okay, a game we're really not going to spend very much time on, even though there was the trade today for the uh, Tennessee, not sorry, not the Tennessee, the uh, Houston Texans. Um, a game of Madden happened in Orchard Park this weekend. We had the Buffalo Bills smoking and shutting out the Houston Texans. Uh, apparently, the Cowboys have released Jalen Smith. I did not know about this. Wait, what? Apparently, that's what it is. Stephen Waldman uh, reporting. No way. Uh, Cowboys released Jalen Smith. Well, we'll have you get on that. In the meantime, I'm just going to smoke this game here like a bad Oh, smoke. my. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, okay, well, Adam Schefter tweeted it about five minutes ago. Wow, that's a big release. That is a very, very big release. Oh, wow. uh, that is live here on Our Rivals Football. Well, now i got a story of this tonight for Cowboys talk. Well, we did have the Buffalo Bills smoking the uh, Houston Texans 40 to nothing. Believe it or not, Vegas betting odds had Buffalo spotting the Houston Texans 18 points. Obviously, they covered. Um, the, the, the Texans just look really done without Tyrod Taylor. And I'm going to say this, Buffalo is right now, has put back, back, back to back 40-plus point games in the last two weeks. Are we are we really seriously now looking at the uh, Buffalo Bills here as a juggernaut in the AFC? I mean, obviously the Bills are very good, and probably you know they've got a lot of you know they got a bright future. But I feel like this this game I don't even know how to describe their win against the Texans. I mean, I'm not. I mean, yeah, they won and they dominated, and I, I mean. I think from the get-go, this would have been a wide one-sided game. I, I don't think I – mean, I'm going to quote Mr. McMahon, not Vince McMahon, Mr. McMahon, that there was no chance in hell that the Texans would have a chance, and they didn't. VKM but, going ballistic again. <laughs> but, you know, a surprise from this game, uh, it, it started off a, a little bit slow because uh, I think when, uh, when Josh Allen had that inter interception. So I guess for a little bit, the Texans – Probably worth to be a worthy opponent briefly, but that really didn't last long. I mean, it was the fourth quarter when when the Buffalo Bills finally decided, all right, enough of this bullshit. 
So now, again, we also have the uh, the trade news today that the Texans did acquire. Uh, let's see, what the hell is this guy's name here? Uh, Jakeem Grant from the Miami Dolphins. Is this going to be a good trade? Is it going to be a fill-in trade? Or is it going to be one of those trades that means absolutely caca? I mean, all I can say is we have to wait and see. I I really don't think it was that big of a deal, to be honest. Now they know the fact that uh, this uh, this Cowboys release, which still is not up on NFL.com yet, as we speak. Um, well, Adam Schefter uh, tweeted eight minutes ago. He he did specifically say per source. So, and it, when we say per source, it's not fully confirmed yet. But I think I I would imagine maybe an hour from now it will be it will be, it will be confirmed. I mean, if not tonight, it's it's definitely going to be confirmed by tomorrow morning. Well, that would be interesting to, to know that we could break breaking news with nobody watching that Jalen Smith released from the uh, Dallas Cowboys. And I'm guessing uh, if everybody is is interested in my thoughts, I respect Jalen, his story, you know, that knee injury, you know, it's a story that, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Unfortunately, after his brilliant year in 2018, Jalen Smith has just... To say that he has failed to live up to expectations since being paid would be a major understatement. He has been burned. I mean, yeah, he he lead, he would lead the team in, ta- in tackles, or at least he was some of the leaders, but he wouldn't make the tackle until there was at least a six-yard gain. So, Jalen Smith, I, I, I don't know what happened. It's just, I mean, did, I knew that I, I knew he wouldn't stay. I just never thought he'd be released during the season. Did Dallas give him an actual chance this year, or is this something that they can't really fulfill at this point? I think because of the because you know two years you know of, of him being an expensive player and him really just not living up to expectations. I think they just decided, well, we're just gonna have to let him go. So now I'm asking. So now that he now that he's released, who who kind of fills that spot? That's again to be de- to, to to be determined. You know the TBD. Yeah. All right. So now we move on to Indianapolis. At Miami, final score, Colts 27, Dolphins 17. Both teams now 1-3. Carson Wentz gets his first week, first win since week 8 of 2020. Uh, the majority of last year, he was also hurt the majority of the year. Uh, therefore, we did have the lovely Jalen Hurts experience in Philadelphia. And I'm going to I'm gonna give... Credit to where credit's due that uh, Mr. Dual sprained ankles is, uh, you know, got to win. But I'm a little depressed in the Miami defense at this point. I'm not sure what the situation is. I mean, the defense did get overwhelmed, but everybody is really strongly suggesting Miami has no quarterback. I guess people just have no faith in Jacoby Brissett and, as far as Tua goes, Tua is talented, but the problem with Tua is he's injury prone. And I think now because of the – even though he hasn't been here a long time, all these injuries, you know, dating back to college, Tua is basically a, a liability. And for NFL teams, a liability is a serious risk, and a serious risk is is bad news. So – all right, so apparently it has been reported on Sports Illustrated 
Uh, it says the hashtag Dallas Cowboys have released linebacker Jalen Smith per Adam Schefter. Smith is owed $7.2 million for the season by Dallas. So it's not like it's it, we, we can't say that Dallas is not getting away from the money uh, because that 7.2 is going to be against their salary cap. Uh, again, it, that that is just weird for them to do that now. And I really think that's going to be, I, I hate to say it, but I think losing Jalen Smith now or shipping him out of town, uh, kind of not to try to dwell on the actual topic, um, I really think that's a significant loss for them. Well, check this out. Mike Garofalo says, and I quote, the Cowboys are moving on from linebacker Jalen Smith, as, of course, Adam Schefter reported. The move isn't official until tomorrow afternoon, so there's still the possibility of a trade. Though that doesn't seem very likely. Seven point two mil on the salary cap. That's just nuts. Um, I mean, I don't know what to say. I don't know. It kind of puts a little bit of a uh, a stinker on me talking about the uh, the Colts and the Dolphins at this point. Uh, I will say this: that we uh, kind of will move a little bit on further here uh, due to time restraints. Uh, we did have the Washington football team traveling down to Hotlanta. Final score, WFT, not WTF, 34, <laughs> Atlanta 30. Uh, this game was pretty much ended on a last-second diving play uh, by Mr. McKissick, uh, a, a play that, rightfully so, if the cameras were showing the proper replay setting, the Atlanta Falcons would have won their second game of the year. Washington is now two and two, and the Falcons are a whopping one and three. Oh, well, excuse me. How horrible is the Falcons' defense, Ricky? Uh the how the Falcons' defense have not been correct since um twenty-eight to three. Oh, that. But this year, I think it's it's gotten worse for them, right? Uh, I mean, they did win 17-14 against the uh, New York Giants uh, last week, which only held them to 14 points. But what are we then saying about the Giants' offense, which then put up 500 total yards this weekend? <laughs> like, yeah. come on. Like, it's actually pretty horrible. But I will, I will say this, though, that even though with the loss of uh, Mr. Ryan Fitzpatrick, the former XFL quarterback, Mr. Uh, Tyler Heineke, is very, very impressive. Uh, I believe that he is handling the pressure a lot better than a lot of people believed. And again, this is only, I think, game five in his NFL career where um, significantly he's sitting there as a starter. Yes, the Redskins are only 2-2, two and two, but we also had questioned what... Washington's defense was, and I think this is another one where we kind of, again, put up the question mark for the fact of Washington's defense now is at that point where they can't stop anybody, and uh, you give the lowly Falcons 30 points. You know, speaking of Tyler Heineke, people still refuse to give the, the guy credit. I mean, the dude is pretty freaking good. You, you really just can't deny it, okay? And, you know, the Washington football team, you know, 
everybody forgets, you know, they got weapons. You know, Terry McLaurin, J.D. McKissick, just to name a few. You know, but Washington, even they're two and two, they do have a defense. They, they do have a problem regarding the defense because every week it seems like the, the Washington defense is is getting burned. I mean, the defense is. I'm not. I'm not going to say it's it's horrible, but it has regressed quite a bit. But but at the same time. I'm not too sure what, what what's going on exactly with the defense, but you know, but the, but the Washington football team still is a respectable team. I mean, like, they're respectable. I mean, they do have weapons on offense. The problem is that yeah. they can't stop anything, and that's yeah, usually a defense, really big yeah. problem. Yeah. Um, I mean, Matt Ryan had uh, a fairly decent day: twenty-five of forty-two, two eighty-three, four scores. Atlanta's rushing game is miserable. Uh, the hybrid, Mr. Cordell Patterson. Uh, six carries for 34 yards. But it was basically the Atlanta passing game that pretty much did the damage. Okay. I believe we're at the 4 o'clock games now. Seattle at San Francisco. Man, I got no San Francisco treats out of this one because I picked the uh, Seattle Seahawks, and they covered by four points. Uh, Seattle 28 San Francisco 21, Mr. Trey Lance making a beautiful appearance in this game. Mr. Wilson did Mr. Wilson things. That's all I can really say about this. Because as much as I really want to get into like the uh, the whole deal here, uh, I still see Sam, uh, C- um, Seattle's defense is a big problem. Uh, they They have issues stopping everybody. And uh, the San Francisco 49ers, um, yeah, kind of a, a miserable output after that game that they lose last week by, uh, what was it, uh, two points? Yeah, the last second, you know, because Aaron Rodgers. Mr. Wilson had 149 yards passing with two passing touchdowns. However, he also did have four carries for 26 yards and another rushing touchdown. Uh, on the other side of the coin, we had the 49ers, Jimmy G, t- 14 of 23, 165, a touch and a pick. Uh, Trey Sermon, fairly decent game, 19 carries, 89 yards. This is going to be one of those games, man. Like, it's 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 one of those things where you sit there and you, you kind of wonder – how all of these guys had receiving yards and Jimmy G is only listed at 165 yards passing. Which makes no sense because if they didn't list Trey Lance's numbers on here, then there's a problem. Did Trey Lance like take over? Like was Jimmy G benched in this game? Um, I think he, he got hurt again, which uh, it's funny that the NFL app is not giving me the actual proper stats for the game uh, because here they have Jimmy G at uh, 14 completions for 165, but Debo Samuel had eight catches for 156. Kuzcek, um four catches for 40 yards. That's already past the Jimmy G yardage right there. So uh, they didn't, I guess they did not put, uh, they did not put Trey Lance's numbers in if he was in. Which is very, very weird on that aspect right there, because. Uh, so that being said, my question: so, so Trey Lance finished the game, like he was the quarterback for the rest of the game. 
Well, I'm, I'm double checking the NFL.com. Okay. This is always a. This is not a snafu on the NFL app, by the way. This is the no, app. No, totally not. The, because I said the see, I said you know, the only way Jimmy G would lose the job is if he got hurt. So no, apparently this, he didn't play because it's not listed on NFL.com either. Jimmy, so Jimmy G once he got hurt, he was out. Uh again, um, apparently he wasn't hurt. Uh, but the the, the numbers on NFL.com don't match. Okay, because actually, because I uh, I didn't actually see uh, this on, game, but. Trey Lance stats, 157 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, QBR of 117-1. Thank you, Steven. NFL.com dropping the ball. Um, Maybe it just might be the – Trey Lance may actually just be the fit there right now. I'm going to say that at least. It's it's difficult for the 49ers because, you know, they went from a 2-0 and team to now 2-2. Two and two. Well, it's not an easy game against Green Bay and Seattle. Oh, totally not. Especially since now that this this was a division game. And uh, with the uh, next team that's coming up on our list, just so happens to be the uh, Arizona Cardinals uh, taking on Darnell's team, the uh, L.A. Rams. <laughs> Final score, Arizona 37, Rams 20. Another divisional game in the uh, NFC West. Darnell was not happy with this game. The uh, defense, uh, of course. I mean, based on, I mean, based on how the the Rams got humiliated. I mean, obviously Darnell was not happy about it. I mean, you know, and Darnell reminded us that the Rams were. I think it's a it was a nine game winning streak against the Cardinals, right? Yes. So the Cardinals said, "We are sick and tired of hearing that we have lost nine straight to the goddamn Los Angeles Rams." And you know what? The only way the Cardinals can do something about it was on the freaking gridiron, and that's exactly what they did. More specifically, Mr. Kyler Murray himself made that statement, okay? 268 rushing yards, okay? Had a 6 on for 39. You know, the running game, Chase Edmonds, you know, I mean, it wasn't just Mr. Kyler Murray who, who made this point because he led the, the offense to a brilliant game, but it was the Arizona Cardinals as a team proved that statement. So now, now everybody's asking, maybe were the LA Rams really as good as we thought? Did the, did the Cardinals really kind of expose them? I mean, maybe, but, you know, the NFC West, it's already a brilliant and competitive division as it is, but. The Rams right now <laughs> currently do not have an easy stretch. They no. do not have an easy stretch. I mean, that's, that's one part, okay? That's got to stress Darnell out. You had Tampa Bay last week on, um, on Sunday, two weeks ago. Uh, so, I'm sorry, two Sundays ago. Then you had the Arizona Cardinals last this past Sunday. Now you look at the Rams going to Seattle Thursday night football. Again, game coming up. Rams do not have an easy stretch right now. They have one of the actual toughest schedules on there, and it is now confirmed on CBSSports.com that the Cowboys have officially released Jalen Smith. Okay. Um. So that'll be questionable to see. Hey, Aaron, my, prediction, my, my prediction was correct. Didn't I say it, it would be official within an hour? Uh, yes, it would. Yeah. And we got to announce it live on the show. Yeah. Even so, though nobody's you know watching. Breaking oh. news and nobody's watching. Anyway, oh. um, I, I have to say this, okay? It's the, the Arizona Cardinals might be for real right now. I can't put any dampers on them currently as we speak. And the reason why I say it is this. Last year... 
I believe that they were just maybe like two or three pieces away for being something a little bit more significant. I'm not saying A.J. Green was a significant piece. However, who is now on the opposite side of Chandler Jones right now causing mayhem and havoc? Oh, that would be uh, a Mr. J.J. Watt. Yeah, that helped on defense a lot. Again, can we question now if J.J. Watt can stay healthy for 17 weeks? Uh, again, I'll put that on point. But again, Arizona might actually look for real this year. These are not going to be a bunch of pushover guys anymore. Oh, no. And, you know, and speak of how good Arizona is, you know, Cliff Kingsbury really is making the haters eat the words big time because a lot of people were questioning, is Cliff Kingsbury able to handle an NFL team? I think I would say so far, well, the Cardinals, it's not a joke. This is not by luck. This is not, you know, some joke that they're 4-0. The Cardinals are a freaking good team. I mean, the, the Cardinals really, they, they, maybe they could win the NFC West. Maybe they could make it to the NFC Championship. Hell, maybe they could make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. But one thing's for sure is Kyler Murray, it, it, can only, it, it can only go up for him. I mean, to say that the dude's future is bright, well, there's an understatement for you there. All right. So we had the Pittsburgh Steelers going up to uh, the land of cheese out in Green Bay, Wisconsin, you know, home of Mr. Uh, Ken Anderson or Ken Kennedy or the a-hole himself. Uh, it was the Green Bay Packers 27, Pittsburgh Steelers 17, Again, one of those games that in the beginning uh, probably would have reminded me of that nine-and-a-half-minute nap just to get the energy booster going for the rest of Sunday football. This is Green Bay's first win against the Pittsburgh Steelers since Week 17 of 1995. They apparently have lost uh, five straight games to the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers since then, which is miraculously weird because if it took them that long to play um, that many games, six games since 1995, um, scheduling, it must be a really big uh, bitch. But um, I, I will say this, though. The, uh, the Packers did kind of get it going after they had figured out uh, the fact of the Pittsburgh's defense. Um, I'm going to pose the question to you as much as we want to sit here and try to glorify the State Farm guy, Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Is Big Ben done? Well, Big Ben is, is about to hit the 40-year uh, age mark, right? Out of but the, you know what? Just, just remember this. Out of the quarterback class that he was in with Eli and Phillip Rivers, he is the last one standing. Okay. We can't ignore Ben Roethlisberger's medical history. I mean, his medical history is pretty is pretty lengthy, especially in the, in the last 10 years or so, right? Yes. So basically, I mean, look, his skills and everything, I mean, he's, he could still throw the ball. But, you know, as far as running and like that, you know, with all the medical history, I mean, his body is not what it was, you know, when he was in his 20s. So at this point, if he retires, he has – you know, there's no shame in it. I mean, he, he's done everything. He, you know, won two Super Bowls for the Steelers. He took him to another one, which was, you know, which this game was a rematch of Super Bowl 45, which was back in 2011 in Jerry World. And we all remember, you know, all the problems from that ice storm. I was a senior in high school that year. Um, you know, look, I, I would say, look, he is, but, you know, 
Well, let me ask you: Do you know the current status of Ben Roethlisberger's contract? Like, is he on his final year? Does he still have any um, few years left? I believe he did. Ex- he did sign a extension. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, Mr. Stephen yeah. Waldman says Big Ben born March second, nineteen eighty two, age thirty nine. I'm older than Big Ben. Oh my god, that's scary. Um, okay, I'm actually looking at his contract right I'll, here. I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you this way, okay? There, as much as the Pittsburgh defense had built up their defense, uh, Joe Hayden, you have T.J. Watt. I mean, they did lose Bud Dupree. Listen, Pittsburgh does not have a running game anymore. They don't. No. They've not had a solid running game. Um, and I'm going to, f- I'm I hate to mention this guy's name cause he's now on the Baltimore Ravens, you know, Mr. Le'Veon Bell. They haven't had anybody significant since him. Okay. Uh, yes. Najee Harris is a nice piece for, but only 15 carries and 62 yards. Again, big Ben is not as mobile as he used to be. He's not no. as elusive as he used to be. And I'll give, Green Bay's defense, a little bit of credit for what they did to Big Ben on Sunday. But maybe there's just maybe a spot for uh, a Mr. Haskins to get some playing time at this point. And I just looked it up. Uh, he'll basically be an unrestricted free agent last year. Uh, I mean, excuse me, next year. Uh, you know, it's not only that, but it was. Did something happen to Juju Smith-Schuster? Did he get hurt? Didn't he get hurt in this game? Um, he was uh, listed as active with uh, rib injuries. Okay, because I mean, this game, I mean, only two catches for eleven yards. It's yeah, but I you mean, know you what? Know, well, he, well, he was hurt, so I mean, uh, Juju, so is, would... Juju is not the focus of the Pittsburgh Steelers anymore. No, he's not. Okay. Uh, yes, Deontay Joss- Johnson is now their their newest shiny toy. I'm going to give them that. Uh, James Washington was filling in for Deontay Johnson last week when Johnson didn't play with the knee. But again, uh, uh, questions of the running game, the offensive line. Ben's not as mobile anymore. I mean, it's the, I, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a lot of questions, and they I, di- I didn't really pick them to win this division either way, knowing the fact that you have Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Baltimore in the same division. I actually probably pitched the Pittsburgh Steelers last anyway in the division. So I really didn't expect much out of them. Like this year, it's just, uh, it just may be Big Ben's swan song, and that's how it's going to go. Here's a little update uh, with Smith. Uh, According to a source, says that he fell out of favor in Dan Quinn's system. Is the defensive system. Yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. (laughs) In case we want to, in case anybody wants to get cute. I, but you know, I mean, you know what? I, I will just keep piling up. I mean, the uh, I'm sure there'll be more reasons revealed soon. But you know, the bottom line is, and I, I think you know, as far as who takes over, I, I somebody on, on Twitter gave me the answer. I, they would suggest Jabril Cox. So, you know what? Whoever takes over, this is your chance. All I can say is, don't fuck up. So, anyway, all right, we got three games left on the schedule, and then we have a Thursday night tough pick. Thursday night, tough pick. Baltimore Bring it on. goes to Mile High Stadium to visit the uh, undefeated at that point, Denver Broncos, uh, whose combined record against teams that they played the first three weeks at a combined whopping 0-9, end up losing to the Baltimore Ravens 23-7. Teddy Bridgewater out of this game with a concussion. 
Uh, TBD on his return of whether he's going to be back anytime soon for the Denver Broncos. Uh, Baltimore, in my opinion, handily got through this Denver Broncos defense. Uh, 22-37, 3-16, and a touchdown. Uh, Latavius Murray, 18 carries for 59 yards and a score. Denver may actually be in trouble with uh, no Mr. Bridgewater. And yeah, Drew, uh, Drew Lock, yeah, Drew Lock did not have a. Didn't mean to interrupt you, brother, but yeah, Drew Lock did not have a very convincing performance. And uh, apparently, there was some controversy in this game that uh, Vic Fangio got pissed uh, off <laughs> at the uh, Baltimore Ravens. If you want to uh, jump in on that. Oh yeah, be- well it was because of th- I think it was one of those closing moments, like when you you know when you tra- do the traditional respectable way to end it when you you know you do the kneel, like the yes. you know you take the ball. You know. Well, I-, I think the weren't the Ravens try to set some kind of milestone or something like that for like a for like a hundred r- rushing yards in the game. Yes, like overall, you know what? I- I- at this point, I was like, you know what? I mean, I don't understand what was the point of it. I mean, if, if it's just a hundred yards rushing, like overall. You know, you won the game, so you know who the hell cares? Maybe you should just end it like that, respectably. But I can't. I don't know if I can throw the Ravens under the bus because then somebody would ask me, "Well, how would you do it, pal?" Of course, you know my friend who's a wrestling fan like me. You know how Vince McMahon, how Vince McMahon kind of would do business from these documentaries we've learned. How would you do it, pal? But I don't know. I mean, it happened. It could be argued. Maybe Vic Fangio was making a big deal of it. I I don't know. I mean, so really, you know, it's another situation. Anything I see is merely a theory, and we can't go on theory. So, really, I mean, overall, it's no comment. I mean, the well, Ravens won, so, I mean, what did you have to lose at that point? I'm going to prep for the next segment because there is a lead-in to this segment. So, uh, okay, just know, let's, uh, let's actually get the segment going here because this happened on Sunday. Because <laughs> it was raining in the lovely town of Foxborough, New England, and I'm going all hoodie right now. Quote Mr. Bill Belichick, stop us if you can, if you don't like it. And Denver should have stopped them if they didn't like the whole rushing game. Okay? 8 o'clock, Sunday night football. We had Tom's return to Foxborough. The big song, I'm Coming Home, played throughout the land of Juliet Stadium th- uh, Sunday night. Final score, Tampa 19, New England Patriots 17. And I'm going to I'm, – I'm, I'm not upset about this game, first off. You're not? No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I am absolutely not upset about this game. Uh, I, I Again – um, to me, this game here was a litmus test. Granted, last week, the Pats did not play well against the Saints. They did not play well against the Miami Dolphins. They beat, at that point, the defeated New York Jets, okay? This was the litmus test. Dan, uh, Mr. Uh, Mac Jones shouting you out my man because you did something that Tom Brady did not do on Sunday night you threw a touchdown pass Brady only threw for 262 yes 
But Brady did not have one touchdown pass. And that was key. They legitimately cut down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pass defense on a lot of extents. If you only have Brady throwing for 262 and no touchdowns, granted, we're going to put the blame that there's no Gronk. He hurt his he hurt his ribs. I'm staying home in Tampa. I don't want part of any of the limelight in Foxborough. Fine. But you still had Antonio Brown. You still had Mike Edwins. You still had Chris Godwin. Uh, Chris Godwin. You had O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. You had Leonard Fournette. Ronald Jones, not a factor in this game. And Tampa Bay only puts up 19 points. Again, with a question. Richard Sherman actually made his debut with the Bucs. And he got burned. Richard Sherman got burned. Like I mentioned on the K&K Sports Show last Wednesday night. Signing Richard Sherman is like the Jets re-signing Darrell Rivas. He's there for a championship. He is not what he was in the past at 33. Okay? And until that Tampa Bay secondary gets healthy, Richard Sherman will be a crispy critter the majority of the season. In my eyes, Tampa signing Richard Sherman was a plug-and-play. Okay? Mm -hmm. He's a fit-in. He's not going to be anything else more than that. My turn? Go ahead! I mean, I had difficulty seeing this game. I really probably should have known better because, I mean, okay, I didn't expect this game to be high high offense or like that. I knew that it was going to be a tough night. You know, and the and the problem is the Patriots could. I mean, I, I think some might say it's because they missed the field goal, but this probably it maybe should have come down to that. But you know, Mac Jones really <laughs> had the better game. You know, threw two touchdowns, like you said, and Tom Brady struggled. You know, twenty two for forty three. So, and you no, know, no touchdowns. So it was really the prettiest homecoming for Tom Brady. But one one major thing that happened in this game was a lot of penalties. Um, the Patriots are now putting two players on the global bastard list, offensive linemen. So uh, we have to see now what it looks like in Houston for that game on Sunday. Uh, and I believe one of those is Isaiah Wing going on the uh, global bastard list. Um, it's coming up on the headlines currently right now. Um, they did, however, go out and sign Jamie Collins again for the third time off of the uh, Detroit Lions. Uh, he's been there twice. He went to Cleveland at one point as well. Uh, but Jamie Collins now back on the Pats to help stop the run game. So that's going to be very interesting to see how that one works out. But I am going to say this, though. Great game. Yes, in the beginning, there was a lot of emotions with uh, Mr. Thomas Edward Brady returning back to Foxborough. But once kickoff was there, every Patriot fan wanted to kill him. It, 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 it's just it's just that thing. But, again, now, I, I, as much as you kind of hate to look at it, as much as, t- as uh, Mr. Uh, Thomas Edward Brady wants to play till the age of 50, uh, there just may actually be a uh, questioned homecoming at some point. So I guess we get to see what that is going to look like after, uh, I believe, either this year or next year when his free agency comes up. 
but uh, I believe the future is extremely, extremely bright for uh, Mr. Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. So, Well, as far as the Patriots running game goes, you know, I think the running game was at ne- – the overall, the running game was at negative one because from what I see is, you know, Nelson Aguilar was the only one who had positive yards. He only had four yards carry, and then the, all the, the rest of them was either zero or at negative. So, yeah, negative one rushing yards. But I, I got to ask you, will the running game improve at all this season? Uh, when you're going against a front four or front three the way that you have with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a lot of running games are going to be hard. And it's 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 weird to say, but if you go back to week one where the Dallas Cowboys really didn't rush the ball effectively, but they were able to use the passing game much better efficiently than the run game, that's going to probably be again until Tampa's defense gets healthy because they're they're banged up a corner. Now you got a corner who's, to me, probably almost over the hill at 33 years old in, in Richard Sherman. You're going to see a lot of teams passing on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I really do see that from until, again, that secondary gets healthy and they somehow can uh, – fix their 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 mid-level on defense, Tampa may be in trouble with passing-wise. So a team probably will not look to run the ball unless at some point they get the, they get the game plan where they need to run late. But passing against the flats and over the middle is going to be Tampa's opening, and New England took advantage of it. Hmm. They, New England took advantage of it. Passing in the flats and passing over the middle was was all available. And especially when Richard Sherman can't cover a crossing route, there's a problem. He's got no help over the middle. He's one-on-one with the receiver. So it's, it's expected. 100%. Well, now we got one game left to talk about, Ricky. Monday Night Football. Vegas. <laughs> at... L.A. SoFi Stadium. And and I got to start by asking you one question. What? Were the Raiders exposed as being an overrated team in this game? Well, before we even call them exposed, uh, let's uh, give the uh, Chargers the uh, 28 to 14 credit for doubling up on the Las Vegas Raiders, who had the majority of their fans at SoFi Stadium instead of the Chargers. It was probably, I'd say, maybe... 83% Raider fans and 17% Chargers fans in the building. That was which, the same thing uh, when the Cowboys played the Chargers. There were more Cowboy fans than Chargers fans. But I will, I will say this, though. The Chargers are, are starting to become elite. Oh, yeah. Big they, time. They, uh, they Their defense significantly did exploit Oakland's offensive line, A, B, they were able to put a very, very good pass rush on Mr. Uh, Carr. And since week one of last year when, you know, Tyrod Taylor gets his rib fucking punctured, um, Justin Herbert has more than significantly enough filled a role in that Chargers offense. Uh, Austin Eckler did get hurt throughout the game last night. So, again, more question marks for the Chargers. They've given him weapons, Jared Cook replacing Hunter Henry. Uh, you got Mike Williams. You've got Keenan Allen. 
San Diego may actually be legit. I, I don't want to say that we're going to have the Oakland Raiders exposed because they have a lot of firepower. They really, really do, and that that Oakland defense kept them in the game for a while. You know, a few weeks ago, I was called a, an idiot because I – because, you know, I've been praising and I've been complimenting Justin Herbert since uh, week one, right? Have I not? Yes. And look – and. I, I, okay, I mean, everybody, I mean, like you say, an opinion is like an asshole. Everybody's got one. So I don't care if people think I was an idiot for always for, for praising Justin Herbert. Because, look, Justin Herbert is a good quarterback, and he's proving that week by week, okay? Look, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not going to go on those fans and say, I told you so. I mean, look, he had, he had three t- uh, touchdowns and 222 yards. Look, I'm not like that. I'm, I'm just like, you know what? I studied you know i saw the i saw some highlights from him last season i saw some highlights from his college football days that's why i'm convinced he's a good player okay i mean it's i'm not just saying that because all of a sudden he's winning games no i've always been a justin herbert fan okay well not always but i've been a fan since you know the pre-draft when i was studying him when i was doing some reports for college football or for, for the pre-draft stuff sorry but uh, but you know the raiders came to this game three and know with a good defense and good offense and and the way they got they got beat today you know i mean i I, I can't say that the Raiders are have been exposed as an overrated team. That's why I asked you if you felt that way. But maybe it's just it's just one loss. Maybe the Raiders could recover. But but the Raiders' defense got torched. I I got to kind of look at it this way, okay? Through the first four weeks of this year, the Oakland Raiders have played everything down to the wire. They played everything down to the wire, okay? It's going to happen at some point when you're going to run out of steam, so to speak. Okay? Yeah. The Raiders are going to be fine. They're 3-1. and one. Uh, the, the Chargers are 3-1. and one. The Chiefs are 2-2. Two and two. Okay? Denver is 3-1 and one as well. Okay? That division is just going to be crazy. Okay? Combined already, you've got a division with 11 wins. And yeah, I haven't even gotten into very many division matchups coming up yet. So, again, it's going to be interesting to see. That's going to be one of the toughest divisions in football right now when you got the Chargers at 3 and 1. You got the Broncos at 3 and 1. You got the Raiders at 3 and 1, and the Chiefs are actually sitting in the back of the class at 2 and 2, and they're going to get started eventually too. So, kudos to kudos to them for for at least being able to hang in every game. Defensively, they may still have a few bumps and bruises in the secondary, and the offense just didn't look right this week with the offensive line. But I don't think you can throw the Raiders under the bus yet. Okay, and that makes sense. It was actually the running game where they where they got kind of beaten down. But as far as the AFC West goes, Denver's probably will probably be the one that's the the biggest amount of trouble. I mean. You know the Raiders, like I said, they were three and zero, but you know they beat the teams they beat were all you know again like a combined record. I think it was zero and eleven. Yeah. So I mean, and then the Broncos ended up getting you know, I mean they didn't technically get. I mean they got destroyed in a sense, but you know they did lose. They lost Teddy Bridgewater and and Drew Locke, unfortunately, uh, couldn't really do. You know, was unable to save the day, but. But as far as the Raiders go, I think the Raiders will recover. I mean, obviously the Raiders have me concerned. You know, I'm concerned about that because they play my Cowboys on Thanksgiving. So, but 
but it, it, you know, we, we talk about you know the, the NFC, uh, the NFC West, uh, the 49ers, the uh, Rams, and the Cardinals and the Seahawks being that interesting division. Then there's the AFC West, so it seems like the West is the interesting division in football. All right, so without further ado, we are going to Thursday night football here at Arch Rivals Football for the beginning of week five. Week five. Unfortunately, Darnell is not here to sit here and rant and rave about the L.A. Rams, Jalen Ramsey, <laughs> and the rest of the lovely group. He probably will get angry that I just even kind of said it that way. Um, but this is kind of the... Uh, this is the kind of life that we live in when we come across a, an extremely difficult division game on Thursday Night Football, 8.20 p.m. on Fox, and I believe ESPN or NFL Network. We have the L.A. Rams traveling to 12th man country, the Seattle Seahawks up in probably rainy Seattle. Uh, we have the line for the game currently, which will probably change by game time. Uh, we have the L.A. Rams favored by three over the Seattle Seahawks. The under-over is 55. I'm going to leave it with Bearman here. I'm still a little torn about what I'm going to think about this game here. Well, I am as well. But I would have to say that the Rams have the advantage. Because while the Seahawks defense is still at the category of respectable, the Rams have a loaded offense. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, the Tyler Higby, just name a few. So you know Matthew Stafford, you know, you know, we're finally seeing the Matthew Stafford we wish we would have seen when, when he came to the league. Now we know that the Detroit Lions really just did not know how to use the guy. I mean, I hate saying this, but it's the truth. It's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. But and I don't expect the Rams to just go into Seattle and run away with it. As disadvantaged as Seattle may be, Seattle's got a decent running game. And, you know, of course, there's Russell Wilson. So I still think the Seahawks is going to be able to kind of dissect a bit the Rams' defense. But I think the Rams' defense is going to find a way to eventually to get it done. So, no, I mean, and this is hard for me to say because one of my best friends from college – is a huge supporter of the Seattle Seahawks. He's a good friend. He tutored me. He was there for me for difficult times. I love him. And if he's listening, don't take this personal, but I have to go with the Rams. And no, I mean, you know, and, and this has nothing to do. I'm not picking the Rams because, you know, because of the relationship with Darnell. I'm just, you know, speaking on, on facts. So I, I think the Rams get it done. Well, <laughs> I'm going to put up this lovely little interesting stat here because this is what we do. I mean, I'm pretty sure Darnell could care less anyway, right? <laughs> All right, so, but this is, the, this is the, the more eye-opening numbers, and this is why we do this show. And it's going to be a rough, uh, rough way to really look at it. It, uh, it is. So, with the, I, I believe the, the Rams defensive coordinator left the uh, L.A. Rams this year and went elsewhere to the, uh, San, uh, to the L.A. Chargers, by the way. He just went across, he went across locker rooms and, Said, hey, I'm going to be over here now instead of over there. Um, this is pretty uh, eye-opening stuff because you have the Rams, which was the number one defense over the last, I believe, six seasons, at a lowly 27th in defense this year, through four games, uh, 10th offensively, passing game, fourth rushing game, 23rd. Um, I'm going to put question marks on there. 
And then um, Seattle is the 32nd ranked defense in the NFL. Hmm, I wonder if there was a team that I know that uh, had that number for a really, really long time. I think that was the uh, the Pats. Um, but they are offensively ranked 19th, passing game 17, and rushing 18. The Rams' defense is probably going to be the issue. And I am going to look at... Uh, as much as I love the 12th man and their lovely neon green jerseys that they'll probably wear on Thursday night football. Um, we have a uh, nose here that the Seahawks and Rams have met 45 times during the regular season with a record of 25 and 20 met in the postseason two times with a record of 0 and 2. Take a look back at the photos from the past two games and played between the two teams. Um, I'd love to see the photos, but uh, they're not there. Um, I think I'm going to go the Rams. As much as I love, as much as I love uh, Mr. Wilson, and he is the fantasy quarterback for my team. Um, I I think the Rams are going to bounce back a little bit. I, again, the under over is 55. I'm going the over because I think both teams are going to score. Probably twenty five points plus. Yeah, I'm gonna go. The, I'm going the Rams given the points. Yeah, you know, the Rams are fucking pissed off. I mean, at one point they were losing 37-13 on their freaking home turf. Okay, and as talented and as loaded as the Rams are, it's very unacceptable in their case. <laughs> so the Rams are not gonna allow themselves to go from being humiliated, and I do mean loosely, humiliated on their home turf by Kyler Murray and company to losing to, by losing a consecutive game to an NFC West foe. The Rams are just simply not going to allow it. Just that simple. I mean, like I said, no disrespect to this to the Seahawks, but while the Seahawks probably have something to prove, the Rams have something bigger to prove. Alrighty, so that's it for the uh, Tuesday night edition here on October 5th, 2021. Obviously, we had the breaking news tonight that we had uh, Jalen Smith released from the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Jason Rodriguez pops in. He said, go Rams. Uh, we had uh, we had signings. We had releases. We had really, really good games this week. And uh, Bearman, your final comments for the Tuesday night episode beginning of week five. Well, it was just good to be back. Always an honor to be on the show. And again, Ricky, thank you so much for allowing me to be part of this team. It really means a lot. And I definitely have to fix the lighting because it's way too bright. Um, we will be back on the Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch on Thursday night, somewhere around 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Pain Train Pipe Bomb. Once again, if uh, the Book of Face has any issues, do not hesitate to go over and subscribe and follow the YouTube pages and the Twitch pages in the description of this video. And uh, I got I to gotta tell you this. Um, we made it through Facebook at some points. Uh, thanks for them to uh, picking the, back, the ball back up from their uh, global extinction for about seven hours yesterday. Uh, but we're back. And then uh, we'll have Pipe Bomb Radio on Friday at 4 p.m. Arch Rivals will be back on Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on all the platforms. Check us out on all the podcast platforms as well. Bearman, your uh, 
your uh, so your um, podcast platforms? Well, my podcast platforms, we got If You Love Soccer, Internet FC, My Soccer Talk Discussion segment is the show for you. Of course, there's Cowboys Talk. If you love listening to somebody bury the Cowboys, then obviously my show is the show for you. They're all available on Spotify and other major social media platforms. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Bearman of Texas, TX. No need to spell it out. The DM's open. So if you're interested in being on one of my shows, just go ahead and message me, and I will make it happen. So help me God. All right. So actually, no, I um, schedule change. Uh, tomorrow night we are doing college football at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time again on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. And, uh, again, thanks to everybody that's going to pop in after probably watching the Yankee game. Um, as far as I understand, I think the Yankees are currently losing to the uh, Boston Red Sox. Go Sox. Um, <laughs> till tomorrow night, we have Darnell and Alex back on doing the uh, Arch Rivals college session on the, uh, the show. Guys, have a great and amazing night. Y'all stay blessed. Y'all be safe. Hey, did you like that show? Like, share, follow, subscribe. Share out our shows to all of your social media. Need merchandise? Check out paintrainpipebomb.threadless.com for quality merchandise at great prices. Tune in next time for another edition of Arch Rivals Football, and we'll catch you on the flip side.